Anyway, hello I'll and welcome. Your... Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'll shut up. Hello and welcome to Censored Love, the Untamed Part One, the Kissing Without Lips podcast. I am Kelly, and this is Dex. Hey. You can say hello. I said hello. Oh! Well, I said yay. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about The Untamed, which for you and me is the most exciting uh, recording ever in my entire life. <laughs> what about uh, you? Definitely. Um, I'm also just started to think how long ago was it since we watched it the first time feels like forever yeah i think that i watched it kind of maybe only last summer was the first time that i saw it but of course by then it had already been out for over a year yeah but up to that point i think it's really important to say that neither of us knew that this was a book first Definitely not. I mean, I, I, the reason I actually started watching it was because I found like a video on YouTube that had this really nice uh, Chinese traditional music and the art that was on the video was from Untamed and that's how I sort of <laughs> found Untamed. Kind of weird. So what do we want to cover in today's episode? Because obviously we want always with Kissing Without Lips to give people an opportunity to effectively go out and find these like cool um, C-dramas, K-dramas, J-dramas, T-dramas for themselves. But we don't want to cover everything. So we decided to break up The Untamed, didn't we? We're going to do, I believe, three episodes, right? Um, so we're going to cover maybe the first third-ish today. Uh, so just the sort of beginning. Because it is a lot of episodes. <laughs> yeah, it really is a lot of episodes. So give us a rundown, Dex, on what uh, The Untamed is about. Uh, what, is, oh. what is it all about? What's the detail? So, the actual sort of short version of the whole thing is that there are two um, uh, cultivators, disciplines, sect disciplines. I'm not sure how to exactly call them. I'm not very good with the whole sect parts. You probably are better with that. Um, but it's uh, these two guys, um, Wei Ying or Wei Wuxian and Lan Shan. Uh, Lan, Wei, uh, Lan Wangyi. There's a lot of names and we're going to mispronounce them, just so you know. So, these two guys, Wei Ying or, and Lan Chan, uh, are very good at what they do and they come from two uh, different clans. And they meet during training and accidentally bump into a kind of a secret, uh, an ancient secret, and this can have some really bad uh, impact on their world so they team up to sort of save the world in a way mm -hmm. only problem is and this is not the spoiler 
Wei Ying or Wei Wushan dies. And then <laughs> I think it's 16 years, right? So 16 years later, he is um, brought back to life through some self-sacrificing ritual. And he then meets up again with Lanshan for, uh, yeah, they just bump into each other pretty much. And they continue the, their sort of quest at that point. So the, these uh, cultivators, there's sort of five, and these cultivators, these, these clans were brought together yeah. um, in the past to protect the region that they come from, which is obviously a vast area of land, um, to protect them from this uh, very evil and dangerous material called... Uh, uh, well, gin iron That's is it. The, the different shards that... Um they are sort of like running around trying to find or trying to possess all of them. So these, these five clans um, uh, effectively and what they do with the young cultivators is they send them to this kind of training camp and oftentimes they, they're meeting each other for the first time or they know of each other or in the case of the beginning part of the Untamed, at least, two of these clans have been brought together because they've had an arranged marriage situation that has been brought upon them. So we'll talk about the clans in like just a moment, but just to give you like a massive rundown, because we're not going to cover everything in today's episode. Um, it's based on a book called Modazushi, which is known as the Grand Master of Demonic Cultivation. The book and the TV series come from China. There are 50 episodes. It first aired um, from June the 27th, 2019 to August the 7th, 2019 as a live action. It existed prior to that as um, both a sort of webtoon style, uh, cartoony anime type thing. Also as a a, a, the Chinese version of a manga and obviously as the book. Um, it was aired on Tencent Video um, where there was a kind of subscription uptake for just this drama to the tune of like $14 million which gives you some idea of how many people are watching this. Each episode is around 45 minutes You'll get used to this with sea dramas. They love a really long intro and a long outro, so you don't really get 45 minutes. <laughs> and the content rating is 15 plus. I guess we'll explain why in a moment. But the main roles are played by Xiao Shan, also known as uh, Sean Xiao, Wang Yibo, and then other roles are played by Paul Yu, Wang Hao Xuan. The writer is Yuan Yimei, who goes by the pen name of Mo Zhang Tongshu, and she is a Chinese author well known for her Dan Mai novels. I'm pronouncing all of this wrong, I realise. But she's one of the most successful authors of the genre, and to be honest, she's not new to the genre, so she knows exactly what it is that she's creating. What does Dan Mai mean? 
the term oh dhamma is uh, indulgence in beauty uh so it's a general uh, genre that focuses on rom- romanticizing uh male to male relationships so it's pretty much bl boy love yeah all the way but <laughs> uh, of course china not so obvious boy love yeah so in the book the boy love is pretty obvious Yes. And with everything that followed like Donghua and any of the webtoony type stuff there were definite elements of BL but it's actually illegal um in China and it has been cracked down upon massively um uh, by the Chinese Communist Party um and the government in China so these things are very very loose so i guess we can call this indulgence in beauty as a bl love a boy love a bl but not necessarily it doesn't go maybe as far as it does in the book it's uh somewhere between romance and boy love yeah yeah so give us a little bit of a an idea about the opener because we're sort of hooked in aren't we from the first yeah. episode it um, starts with with Wei Ying dying also known as yeah. Wei Yushan that's a weird place to start a drama isn't it definitely the main sort of <laughs> character dies instantly uh but that's also why it's not a spoiler but i must say uh, when we were um rewatching it now that scene is a major tearjerker Seriously. The dying I mean, scene or the Yeah, the dying scene. If yeah. you only see it for the first time, you don't have the sort of feelings yet. No. Yeah, it starts with Wei Ying dying, uh, and Lan Shan um seeing it <laughs> close up. Um so lots of feelings um and lots of chaos. We don't know do we at the beginning because we don't know what their relationship is. We're just no. and this is why it's so great is because we see this character Wei Ying. He has been ritualized into the body of somebody from the Mo family. And yeah. he is nothing more than a village idiot really. But um we get to see that actually as this part of the story unravels and it is 16 years after he originally died we start to see these these things happen so like he becomes or or we see him become pretty reliant at the beginning on this mask because he doesn't want Lanzan to notice who he is or recognize him ah. um and also we start to see how talented he is even in that first episode we see that he is a master cultivator oh yes so then when we do actually realize you know that he died during that flashback we sort of think well how the hell did that happen he's super talented yeah uh i mean what we see already uh as soon as he gets back or is uh, returning is how everyone in the world 16 years later is using his techniques which i mean it's pretty sort of honoring for him in a way but he's also kind of confused about it i would say 
So that's the first episode. And it all happens like very quickly. I mean, you get sucked in super fast. Yeah. You get to see that, you know, what everybody thinks about this Mo character, who is really waiting. And you sort of think, oh God, he, he really is like quite a village idiot. He's a stupid guy, he kicks up a stink and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But each time he is in the general vicinity of Lanjan, his attitude and his demeanor and everything changes. Oh, yeah. Because, well, because we don't know why. We don't know what their relationship is. We don't know why he's, in a way, um, hiding from Lanchan in the beginning or avoiding him. So that's the end of the first episode, really. It sets up this this kind of back to the future situation where you know we see what mo can do and then you know when the hook happens in the series and that is that there is this horrible yin iron shard thing that infects people it whomever holds this uh, gin shard they are yeah, gin iron shard they are um well I, I guess for want of a better word zombified yeah they become affected by this almost like a spell and so what's happening in these villages around where this mo who is really way in character is is that all these people are, are being wiped out by this mysterious sort of disease which is making the dead come back to life almost like they're possessed or it's killing people and it's taking their souls and these souls are obviously feeding something else obviously the gin iron and so what they start to discover through actually Mo's eyes is that there it, there's more than meets the eye but Mo is like I've seen this before I know what this is all about. I saw it before. And the reason why I saw it before is because, well, he um, he, he was at the heart of the, the investigation of this Janayan. I guess that's pretty much why they do the sudden flashback mm -hmm. uh, where we get to see what happened 16 years earlier. Where they yep. actually bump into it for the first time, the Jinnara. Yeah. So we see that he's returned. This is the second episode now. He's returned. Yep. He he's on this kind of like journey, I guess, where he's just got a everybody's dead in his uh, family and in his village, and he's just got to go. But he starts going back to these places where he's been before. Maybe because they hold some kind of connection to him, but also because, you know, and and this is like really kind of sad. His story is so really sad, actually. When yeah. he goes back to these places, they're, they're almost places that we find out later in the series. He built these places up. He cultivated his abilities in these places there is a bit of his dna in these villages and these points of interest 
And when people are constantly talking over him, saying, talking about the yearling patriarch, and they're talking about, they're speaking about him. Yeah. And there is nothing that he can say. He can't say, hi, I'm Wei Ying. I'm back from the dead, everybody. <laughs> He's just got to keep it on the down low. Because if they find out that the yearling patriarch's back, everybody will try to kill him. I was just going to ask you, really, yeah. who is the yearling patriarch? Like, what is his, what is his thing? Well, that's something that will come later on in the... Are people afraid of him though? Yeah, people are afraid of him. Uh, I mean, he he was not considered a very nice person because he was a demonic cultivator. Um, and this is Wei Wuxian um, later, <laughs> um, before he dies pretty much, if we see it story-wise. Um, but like you said, there is we don't get an actual explanation to why um, when he returns that he actually starts making his way and accidentally bump into everyone he knows at a specific place. Why were he walking that way? We don't know. But suddenly he's like bumping into his his brother or half-brother and everyone that he knew 16 years ago. Yeah, it is 16 years ago. But yeah, so like put it like this. 16 years have gone by and now Wei Ying, as this mysterious Mo character, is supposedly 32. <laughs> no yeah. way. And uh, first time I saw this drama, I was like, why is he looking exactly the same before and after he died? Even though he's not supposed to be the size, have the same appearance. I mean, but, yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't look anything like I did when I was 16. No. <laughs> Nothing like. There are no uh, horrendous Polaroids of being silly. <laughs> There's none of that. But with Wei Ying, <laughs> with Wei Ying, I mean, we just instantly, as a character, we trust him. Yeah, and so we go on this journey with him, and so by episode three he gets this place called Dafan Mountain, and in Dafan Mountain, that's when, as you say, he sort of accidentally stumbles upon his nephew, and his that those that are following behind are actually from uh, from the uh, Gusu clan, and so then we start to feel like he can't turn around without bumping into somebody from his past. Starting and now he's starting brother. to sort of slightly get an idea about what has happened in the world while he has been, been gone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so in this episode, we see the other, we start to see some of the other characters. So the young boys who were not even born at the time that um, Lan Shan and Wei Ying and uh, Jiang Cheng were all hanging out together as young cultivators. There's now this new generation that's appeared. They're full of like, well, for want of a better term, like shit. And they think they're really great because their uncle is like super cool or, you know, their leader is super amazing. 
And so they're little arrogant shits and they find themselves in the Dafan mountain in trouble because they've gone to investigate this, this um, fairy inside this cave who has got like very magical powers and they're thinking to themselves, okay, it's a ghost that we just have to bind or we have to just uh, collect that soul because we're cultivators. Um, and then everybody who lives down the mountain will not be haunted by this fairy and that they can go and pay respects to their dead inside yeah. this mountain, which is what the purpose of going to the mountain was for. But actually, when they get there, this this we're calling her the dancing fairy because um, she has this St. Vitus dance style hold over people. When they see her, they are... Um, sucked in. Um, there's one such character, isn't there, who's gone a bit sort of weird because her husband has died and she's ended up following this dancing fairy yeah. and she's completely gone crazy. And so we, we're all inside this cave. She comes alive. This dancing fairy starts chasing everybody out of the cave because Wei Ying says, you guys better run. Just run the hell out of there. They start running down the side of the mountain they bump into Uncle Jiang Cheng, and then, uh, oh no, they did, they haven't bumped into Jiang Cheng yet, have they, they? Bumped into him before, actually. Before, yeah, yeah, before yeah, that's right. And then they go inside the mountain. Then when they come out of the mountain, they realise that they're not strong enough to defeat this this creature, this yeah. uh, stone statue, basically, that's come to life. And so, Wei Ying happens to be on hand. But he doesn't have that that uh, weapon or instrument that uh, says to everybody the healing patriarch is here. So he yeah. goes and chops with his with a sword or something. He goes and chops like a piece of bamboo, and he whittles that bamboo into a flute, and then he starts to play this incredible tune. And what happens in this incredible tune, first of all, is that the dancing fairy, she's she's stationary, she can't move. The statue has suddenly gone back to being a statue, but then she starts to break this spell that he's cast upon her, and she really wants to get the kids. She picks them up in her hands, and they're just sort of, all of their limbs are sort of playing in all directions, and they're in trouble. And then he plays the flute again. And then who pops out from nowhere into the middle of the scene? Tell us. Uh, we will see later on also, but his name is uh, Wen Ning. And he is, by the kids, called the Ghost General, which Ghost is also something General. we will get more information about later on in the drama. But yeah, the Ghost General comes in in this weird black cloak with black long hair that is not sort of tied up uh, like super fancy like everyone else in this drama but just hanging loose and he has chains all over him so it's kind of sticking out compared to the rest of them and what what is more scary about um wen ning is that he looks like a zombie he looks yeah. like this zombie that we've seen in the last like couple of episodes has been attributed to the reason why all of these people have like died or they've been possessed or whatever 
and it's scary seeing him in the middle of the air but the point is this guy is ass kicker of the year i mean he is <laughs> like a super he's better than any of your marvel avengers superheroes this guy literally can kick some serious ass um, and that is i guess the first time that we start to think to ourselves okay there's a lot of things going on here that really are beyond real you know and who is dri- the driving force behind this well obviously it's Wei Ying yeah and I think that's also when the kids around him suddenly start to realize that he is controlling uh, the ghost general with his flute and well, yeah because doesn't the one of gen- them say I hate that music stop playing that music yeah <laughs> But yeah, when uh, the ghost general or Wenning is destroying the fairy, dancing fairy, uh, soulating, she's soulating, right? She's, she wants to eat their soul, I think. Yeah, because... uh, but he destroys it instantly um, with the help of uh, Weying's flute or well, music. Um... What a big sigh that is, but it's a good sigh because I think that that third episode is a really good episode because it really establishes a couple of things. The first thing is, at the end of that episode, the cliffhanger is, everybody realises they know who this guy is. (laughs) Exactly, because at that point, when uh, actually uh, Wei Ying plays a different tune as soon as um, the fairy is gone and so he gets um, we- uh, Wenning to disappear or he jumps away and that's when of course Lan Chan comes in and totally realize that uh, Wei Wuxian or Wei Ning Ying is actually the one that he knew 16 years ago. A question about yes. this and it's just um, a, a silly question but do you think the first time when they're when they are in the Mo clan house do you think that time that Lan Chan comes in do you think that Lan Chan knows that that Mo is actually Wei Ying he actually doesn't see Mo at that point because Mo sneaks out so they never meet. It's only Mo or Wei Ying that sees Lanshan and not vice versa, right? Yeah, at but, Mo Manor. But, but his eyes at Mo Manor are all around the room. And <laughs> I kind of feel like, I don't know if you've ever had a, 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 no spoilers, I don't know if you've ever had a boyfriend or, in my case, a husband where... You kind of know that wherever that person is, you would be able to find them. I think at that point, Lanshan might have suspected something, but it didn't have any sort of like evidence at that point, I think. Do you think that up to that point, they've been, you know, in uh, Wei Ying's absence? Do you think that up to that point, basically all the clans have been doing, especially the uh, Gusu clan. Do you think all they've been doing is just um, uh, 
trying to to put a lid on these kind of zombified that well they're called puppets aren't they in the book but yeah yeah that that's all they've been doing for 16 years because that's weird <laughs> well i mean feels like they can't put a lid on it you know feels like it's yeah. a a zombie infestation well I, I i don't want to go or answer that question with too much detail because then i will end up in the end of the <laughs> end of the drama pretty much um but i think what we need to think about is that uh, in the beginning before he dies that's when they have the yin uh, shards yin iron shards and then later these shards are being fused together and that's something completely different that happens after he comes back then it's then it's that uh, fused yin iron and its effect so it's kind of tricky that part but yeah so episode four for me is the the episode where i get all the feels i've watched episode four i think more times than i've seen any other episode in the entire series yeah and Definitely. the reason why is because that's day one that's of, day one yeah of everybody meeting each other for the first time the 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 flashback begins where they all go back to being 16 so forget yep. about all these young arrogant like idiots and upstarts that have messed with a dancing fairy in a cave no we're going back in time 16 years from episode four and that everybody has been personally invited with an actual invite to go to the ghostly clan which is um an area we discover uh, called the cloud recesses and that place is just kind of north of a little town called Kai, and um Kai is really beautiful, but it's your typical market town that you would find in any common or garden Chinese novel or or whatever. It's got everything from, you know, the the kind of river cellars to taverns, right? So everybody goes to Kai first, and they go and get their sort of little bit of uh, sleep um, before the they have to go up to the cloud recesses and. Um, it's the first time that we start to see the dynamics of the relationships between all of the clans because as i said at the top of the conversation some of them know each other and some of them don't yeah yeah it's from um what we are seeing first is wei ying with his uh half or they're not actually brother and sister by blood but he has what he calls a sister and brother um and it's oh god Young Sheng and what's her name? I am really bad with names. Uh, Young Janli? That's the correct one, right? Yeah, Janli. Yeah. Yeah. So these three are the first ones that we see. And um, Janli, the sister, uh, she is the one that has an arranged marriage with one of the. Um, cultivators from a different clan mm. and this is how we we get to see their interaction because now they suddenly bump into each other and it's it's interesting because um 
they seem to have like a little bit of dislike for one another. Uh, there is something that has happened that we don't know about in Untamed. Yeah. Obviously, we know what that thing is if we read the book. But at this point in this episode, we don't really realise what's going on between these two. No, it mostly um, just feels like that's kind of awkwardness between two people that are supposed to marry, but they don't really know each other super yeah, well. At yeah. least that's the sort of first vibe you get from the, the drama. And we also get the vibe that um, Wei Ying is the sort of unofficial leader of that clan. Even though uh, Jiang Cheng is the one who is is the heir apparent of that yeah. that clan, particularly, um, it's actually Wei Ying. He's the one that is the chief negotiator. He's the chief rabble rouser. He's the naughty boy. The the guy who flirts with everyone. Literally, he is a silver-tongued devil. Um, yep. Which you would expect, because I think that um, one of the things that I guess you and me didn't really, when we watched it, we didn't really get a full handle on it. The fact that both of these two leads in this, Shaoshan uh, and um, Wang Yibo, they're both Chinese idols. And yeah. In China, especially, and Korea, and Japan, and Taiwan, especially in Southeast Asia generally, these idols, they're given a lot of sort of acting jobs to do. This is a bit like Harry Styles from One Direction being in a film, right? It's not something that occurs very often in the West, but it occurs no, but... all the time in Southeast yeah. Asia. I don't think I know anyone that's just sticking to like music or acting most of them are sort of like on both sides all the time exactly and we just thought that they were just actors yeah <laughs> but they were like so much more than that and actually um uh Zhao Chan's um uh, character of Wei Ying is just so good he is a great actor in this role. He was born yeah. to play Wei Wuxian, I think. This yeah. is the defining role of his entire career, I think. And I'm sorry to say it, no way is he even listening to this, but if he was listening, there is just, there is not another role for him in the whole world. That role is solely Wei Wuxian. Yeah. And actually he's nearly the age as Wei Wuxian would have been when Wei Wuxian re reincarnates himself as Mo. Uh, I mean, I've seen him in other roles now, and it just doesn't feel the same. No, we spoiled and I think ourselves. Everyone, <laughs> yeah, and everyone ha that has seen Untamed will probably feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. So they go to the Gosu clan, and they haven't got their invitation. Yeah. So Wei Wuxian, um, Wei Ying, says that he will go back down to Kai and go and pick up the invitation. And that it's they a twenty is yeah, that they forgot. And it's a 20-mile hike down, back down the mountain, into the town, and then back up the mountain again. 
Meanwhile, everyone else has been let in. Yeah. And it's and it's just Wei Ying, really, that now at this point sort of feels like, oh, uh, I can't get in. But as he tries to get in, um, Lan Chan goes past him with a parade of his little foot soldiers and cultivators, and they're carrying a body. And yeah, he... that's actually happening when they're trying to get in all of them in the beginning. Yeah. So before he goes down and gets the, the invitation. So he gets to see the, the body. Yeah, so he sees it for the first time. He yeah. is like fascinated by it and thinks, hmm, this is like really weird. We've come to this cultivation conference, for want of a better word, and uh, yeah, they're, they're bringing in these dead bodies. That's really odd. Anyway, I'm just going to go down the mountain and then I'll come back up the mountain and I can't get in. So I'm just going to try and get in myself. So he just does a little finger talisman and he just gets in, doesn't he? Yep. Whereas I can't help but think that if he walked the other side of that gateway, he would have just been able to walk in. <laughs> it feels like one of those gates when there is no fence around it and you're like, but why? But yeah. Um, but yeah, they're not allowed in the beginning, they're not allowed in uh, without the, um, the invitation because uh, Lanchan says you have to have an invitation to get in. And he refuses. But when uh, Wei Ying goes down and gets it, Lanchan actually goes to the rest of the um, young clan people and lets them in. So. <laughs> So already we see that there is a little bit of conflict between Lan Chan yeah. and Wei Ying. So Lan Chan has got a massive friggin' chip on his shoulder. And also, on top of him having a massive chip on his shoulder, um, hmm, let me think. He also has uh, an inability to communicate properly, I would say. Yeah, well, he's, he's very... He doesn't want... He doesn't talk if he doesn't have to, I would say. And he's very stoic. Very, very stiff and very to the point. But then again, Ghost Clan have 3,000 rubles they have to buy, buy every single day. So it kind of shows why, in a way, he is like that. Not that everyone in that clan are exactly like him. He's probably the most extreme one. Yeah. When Wei uh, Ying gets in uh, to Cloud Recesses in the beginning, yeah, when he's crawling over the roof and meets Lan Chan, the big first sort of <laughs> that one is, I mean, it's pretty epic. Okay, um, well, let's talk about it then. So, so <laughs> Wei Ying is such an arrogant twit. He goes yep. down to to Kai Yi and he comes back from the up to the Cloud Recesses with alcohol. Yes, because he loves alcohol and he's heard that the Empress Smile is the greatest drink ever known to man and yep. he tries this Empress Smile and he's like yeah I love it so I'm going to take a couple of uh, bottles up for myself up into the cloud recesses I'm going to go and sit and drink them in my room or as it turns out on the roof where Lanchan sees him and is not very happy about it 
Because you're not supposed to be drinking alcohol in cloud races. Because it's one of the rules that he's it's broken. It's one of the rules. They have a little standoff, don't they? Which is fun because you're not supposed to fight either in cloud races. Correct. But the first thing they do is fighting. Yeah. And it feels like it's coming from a really weird place because poor old Wei Ying, this happens a lot in The Untamed. Poor guy's just trying to mind his own business. He just wants to have a bit of a drink, <laughs> enjoy himself. You yep. know, he is all of us because he's just living his best life. He just yep. wants to have a drink and just chill and blah, blah. And no, Lan Zhan is like the policeman of the Gosu clan. And so he will go around probably doing his rounds at night, making sure that no one is breaking the rules. Yeah, and it's also during this scene that you start noticing all the sort of small details and sort of insinuations uh, to the BL parts that comes from the book. Like, at one point, luncheon his sword goes slightly out of what do you call the the casing for the sword so it's, it's a slightly yeah yeah and then uh, Wei Ying takes one finger and pushes his back in I mean there's just a lot of these um and please note them because it's kind of funny <laughs> yeah this little fight that they have together is not mm. just a, a show of their might towards each other and a yep. show of like how Lanzan believes that uh, Lanzan believes that um, cloud recesses is his like place. It is. It's his territory. And yep. Wei Ying's come with his like fancy ideas and alcohol and just general arrogance, and he's not going to stand for that. But also, Wei Ying is everything that Lanzan wants to be. Pretty much. I mean, if he could, he probably would, but yeah, and, he's everything and... now that he's definitely quite the opposite at the moment. They are complete opposites. And also, they make like a very obvious show of it, I guess, the, mm. the makers of The Untamed, because they dress weighing later, much later in black. And Lanzan, when we see him for the first time, he's in white and blue. That him and his brother are the, the twin jades of Gosu. We'll talk about his brother in a minute because he's great. And, uh, and and we see him for the first time and we see that Lanzan is very pure. He's white yeah. and he's very clean. And... I actually think in one of the first... Was it in like the... Yeah, it's actually in the first episodes when uh, Lanzan makes his sort of entrance. That's when I think uh, Wei Ying is staying or thinking that he always dressed like he's going to a, a funeral, funeral because he does actually white. say it, yeah. yeah. Um, and and that's something we will see. He's always dressed impeccably in white or light blue. Yeah, and that just makes it just adds to his like uh, mystique of being yeah. this kind of holier than holy character yes. when in effect it's it's the fight that he has with Wei Ying at the beginning that we realize that he's not that white he mm. he has got a lot of pent-up aggression inside of him he's very angry for a variety of reasons 
But one of the big reasons is he's got the hots for weighing, obviously. <laughs> That's enough to make anybody crazy if these are feelings that you don't, you know, and he's been living in uh, in uh, the Gosu clan and the uh, cloud recesses his whole life. So he's probably never been exposed to having feelings like that for somebody. But yeah. he's got a massive crush on him. And especially how that he has a crush on a person who is breaking all the rules. And I is think free. That, yeah. Yeah, it's probably something that is a little bit sort of scary for him also. It's like, why do I like this person? So these two episodes are my fave. Yeah, me too. They're just so the best because it really does establish this relationship that these two have. Compared yeah. to any other boy love you will watch, and we will talk about quite a few of them in Kissing Without Lips over a period of time, but compared to any other boy love that you watch, this is the ultimate. And there isn't even any boy love in this, really. It's very pure. Yeah, it's under the surface, and that's what makes it more activating. So, yeah. in the in the sixth episode, we see that first puppet. So that body comes in, Yep. And it sits bolt upright, doesn't it? And we see it. And it has got like glazed over eyes. And then that makes us as um as as uh, viewers that are following the story think back to that moment where Mo was at that at, at his own manner when it all kicked off and everybody started turning into these weird puppets. So us as the viewers have seen this before as well at this point but this is the first time really that the 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 gosu clan have been able to discuss it and waiting just happens to be there as well because it was after the standoff wasn't it um i and think it's kind of weird though is because all the puppets have these glazed eyes like white glazed eyes yeah besides wen ning he is the only one who has Black, completely black, black eyes. eyes. Just a sort of like a small detail that been kind of bothering me, but still I get it in a way. I get but, it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. We get to meet for the first time the Wen clan at Gosu uh, clan's headquarters at the cloud recesses. But we see a bit of a back and forth of um, the leader of the Wen clan in Nightless City telling the children of the Wen clan to not let him down and that he has put and placed quite a lot of uh, emphasis on them not failing in their attempts to find out about the Jinnine Shard and bring that shard back to Nightless City. They think that the Gosu clan have one. Yeah, because they, they know. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're sort of there to buy in a way and find the Jin Iron Shard. Yeah, it's um, a bit of a Trojan horse moment, isn't it? The, the children yeah. get sent there to allegedly cultivate, but actually there will be no cultivation that will be taking place because all of what is taking place actually comes from them trying to find out where the Jinnine is. Yeah, the two people that are sent from the Wen clan is actually Wen Ning and his sister. His sister is a good cultivator and a doctor. 
She uh, is great, and... actually. Her name is Wen King, yeah. I think. Um, so Wen Qing and Wen Ning joins them as uh, pupils for this training, but they're actually there to fight the Jin Nair. Or at least Wen Jing, she is actually there to look for it. Wen Ning is a little bit, is, uh, I'm not sure how to explain how it is at this point. He's kind of like not uh, completely like grown up. I'm not sure how to, yeah. He's pretty adolescent, isn't he? And very immature. Yeah. And he's, he's, there's something that is not 100% correct with him. Yeah, know? there's something that is not, not wrong with him, but he's not as um, fully rounded as a character as the other characters are. So, you know, it's deemed yeah. that there is something that is a little bit not all there with him. In fact, I think that when Ching, she says something about it, doesn't she, at some point? She said, please forgive my brother. He is not as intelligent as the rest of you or something like that, yeah. she says. Um, but they're led in by their older brother um, oh, yeah. to, towards the cloud recesses. And this guy is like a king-size asshole. Oh, yes. But a good thing is he doesn't stay at least during that time. He only comes just to, to make bring them sense. there. Yeah. yeah. But he is he's just so awful. I really, I mean, from the first moment, I hated that guy. As bad guys go, he is pretty yeah. amazing because he just, you get on the wrong side of him straight away. You yeah. instantly hate him. There isn't one single redeeming quality or feature of this dude. And it carries on all the way through the Untamed. And yeah. you can't help but sort of think to yourself, oh, Jesus Christ, I don't <laughs> want to see this guy on screen. But you, you have to. I mean, it's gripping. You have to yeah. see him. So we've got this first puppet. The Wen Clan have joined. And so what's been left behind at night? The city. It's just the, the lord or the leader, the, the, the head, the master of the clan. Um, he's an, an also a complete asshole. But he belongs to that original five clan agreement that was in place at the time of the sealing of the Chinayan shards. So, who's left? Everyone's gone. There are some little outliers in Nightless City that um, offer their allegiance to these these characters um, and these clan leaders. Um, and so the place is overrun by these horrid puppets. We see these weird puppety people hanging around in the main arena in, in uh, Nightless City in that sort of manner that they have, for want of a better word, because it looks like hell. But there is a, a boy there who I suppose we'll talk about in a little minute. Oh, yes. Unless I we mean, want to talk about him now. Well, I mean, you see him already. I'm not sure exactly which episode he comes in. Uh, it's one of the first sort of like scenes yeah. we get to see the Wen Clan and um, get to see how interested they are in collecting these Jin uh, Iron Shards. So this guy is all dressed in black. Black leather. Black leather. And he is the most charming bad guy ever. I mean, we were talking about the other Wen uh, brother. He is, well, this is not a Wen brother, but 
we were talking about the Wem brother. He is an asshole. This yeah. guy is the the bad guy you want instead of the bad guy you hate. Yeah. He is amazing. This is a bad guy you love. Yeah. This is exactly the type of bad guy that you want in your life, in real life. He is so... He, he's only working with the Wen clan. He's not actually technically part of it. No, his well, this happens is... a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. And his name is uh, Xu Yang. Yeah, I think sure, yeah. I'm yeah. probably butchering it, but I'm sticking with that pronunciation. Now. And um, this happens quite a lot in these clans because people die in wars, and you know, people are sort of greedy and blah blah blah. You know, one of the reasons why Wei Ying is associated with his clan is because both of his parents are dead, um, and actually, he's been taken in by this clan, but. Yeah. Um, Xue Yang's clan is uh, one that he's chosen for himself. So he is servicing them. I think he is, but that's something that will probably uh, come out later. I think he's actually an ex-member of the Jin clan. Originally. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, more about that later. Later. But in the, uh, in the book especially, he's described as this 14-year-old tear away basically he's just a naughty boy yeah but here we see him in the untamed and obviously everybody has had to be of a certain age the character um himself yeah might be a 14 year old boy in the book but he's definitely a charming man in yeah. in this adaptation and so we can't help but cozy up to him every time he's on screen because he just sucks you know, as I said in the previous episode, it just completely sucks the air out of the room. You just can't look at anybody else but him. He's yeah, so good. I mean, if if Wei uh, Ying is the flirter, this is more the charmer in a way. Oh, or a big charmer, yeah. But you will lose your legs. Yeah, dangerous charmer. Yeah, with Wei Ying, you'll probably lose like a, a bottle of Emperor Smile, but with yeah. Xue Yang, you will definitely lose your legs. Yeah, he's the he's the kind of sleep with one eye open guy. You just wouldn't want to. You'd have one eye open if you were uh, with this dude overnight, let's say. So that out of the way, class has now started, and yeah, Wei Ying is an upstart, and he um, is a, a bit of a, a talkative boy. He's talking when people are trying to introduce their clans. And sit still in class. Yeah, and so they bring their presence up as a gift to the Gosu clan, and he's talking all the way through it. And with each one of these, um, presentations of these gifts somebody is talking about who this clan is and so when the Jin clan comes up and they show their uh, present I which I thought was a really random present by the way <laughs> I think it was some like desert sand or something um, and when they sort of presented that in the background, people were talking about this little boy that is uh, 
affiliate. Not actually the Jing clan. That's for what's the other clan called? Oh my oh, god. Oh no, is he with the the Ni? Ni? Yeah, the Ni clan. Because yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's he's with the Ni clan. Yeah. He's, I take it back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Too so many, many clans. clans. So the Ni clan and and uh, and they're from this place called Chingye, and when he pres presents it they have a whisper whisper oh he used to be with the Jin clan oh yeah what's this like big thing so pay attention to this episode because you learn more about the clans in this episode and what all of their mm. not their successes are but what all of their failings are in this episode particularly yeah. even when people are discussing the twin jades of gosu even when they're talking about Lan Shan and his brother Lan Zichen, when we when we hear these things as the viewer, it helps us to make up our own mind about okay, who's going to be the top dog? Who's going to be the asshole? Who's going to be that type of thing? So just you know, when you watch this, just bear it in mind. So uh, yeah, the, the guy who presents us presents the gift is like. Um, He's he's kind of like, what are you? Oh God, English escaping me here. He's uh, a servant of yeah, a kind. He's like a little uh, for the Nia yeah. clan. And what they're whispering is pretty much about his background because he he has a background with one of the other yeah. clans, which is the Jin yeah. clan. So yeah, this is something also that we'll get super much more info about later on. And he's pathetic. He's a little weed. He's, he's, yeah, he's a little uh, sort of like constantly uh, apologizing and being super sort of bowing to everyone and yeah, just a very much a servant. And everyone's person. like, no, no, you don't need to keep apologizing. No, no, you don't need to keep being subservient. Yeah. We're all together here. And it's actually Lan Zichen who is really sort of gracious and sort of said, look, please don't apologize anymore. You know, it's yeah. all good. And then there's this like little free song between a Lan Zichen and uh, and this little pathetic loser. Yeah, Lan. Uh, oh God, names again. Lan Zichen. <laughs> Lan Zichen is is the bigger brother of Lan Zichen. The hotter brother, I would say. <laughs> no, I'm totally on team Lanshan. All the way. I, I really like Lanshan. And the reason why I like him is because he's got the best outfits. <laughs> I love Lanshan, which is weird because I'm always the bad. I love bad boys in she everything. Does. But here, yeah, Lanshan is the ultimate good guy. And I. Yeah, totally so love just him. as like a little bit of heads up, in all of the Kissing Without Lip podcast episodes even these untamed ones you're going to find that dex is going to be the one that is constantly uh cheering on the bad guys because <laughs> she finds them hot yes <laughs> <laughs> completely obsessed with bad guys i mean it all started this is very off topic but my first ever crush was Darth vader and it all went downhill there from there go. i guess there you go yep so the wang clan join and they bring their gift and they like knock everybody out of the way. More importantly, they knock Wei Ying's uh, and uh, Jiang Cheng's presentation out of the way and Yan Li's presentation because 
we never get to find out what it is that they offered them as a present, which always really annoyed me. <laughs> but um, the Wen clan come in and they're like, here's our present. And it's the older brother who's the asshole who's like, take our present. And Wei Ying's like, the guy, Wei Ying will always be the guy who says what everyone else is thinking. Oh, yeah. So he's like, what are you doing here, you assholes? Have a bit of respect. Stop being a douchebag. Da 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 da. And giving it all the big un. And then they almost start fighting with each other. And so that, that all descends into absolute chaos and scenes inside the. And I think when the camera pulls out of that scene, you see above the door, it says something like Hall of Peace or something. But what's happening on the inside of the manor is. Uh, it's absolutely, absolutely not, peaceful. not peaceful in any way, shape or form. Anyway, at this time as well, the leader of the, the Gosu clan realises that Wei Ying has got an interesting pedigree and that um, his mum is a woman called Kang Sibao Ren and his dad is also a well-known cultivator. And mm. it seems to not uh, have any effect on anybody else apart from the clan leader at Gosu Clan. He's very affected like about this. And I had a discussion with my, my husband about it, right? The other night and we were talking about it. And I said, is it because he had the hots for Kang Sibaren? Because um, she's... I, totally I think, think so. so because she's dead now, obviously, isn't she? They were both uh, killed. Yeah. Presumably, uh, in fact, who were they killed by? Was it the Wens? I don't remember, but I think that's also something that we get more. Yeah, later. later. So he's already on yeah. the back foot because he doesn't like Wei Ying. He thinks that he's an arrogant mm. twit and he is mischievous and behaves like his mum can can see Baron, and so. Um, yeah. We discover that there is some activity that's happening in a place called Billing Lake. Yes, there are reports about water ghosts. And suddenly, um, Lanshan and, um, oh God, Lan... Lishan? God, big, big brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they are going to go down and investigate. And of course, uh, Wei Ying wants to join, and that means that uh, Yang Chen is joining, and then suddenly the Wen people wants to join. So suddenly it's a whole bunch of people deciding to go down to the lake and see if there's any water. This really establishes the their abilities to work together as a team, mm. but also it starts to establish the lifetime loyalty that they have for each other both as friends and as almost as enemies too in some cases we'll talk about it later yeah. but certainly as potential lovers and as blood brothers you know these yeah. these people because of what happens with this first particular experience it really does start to establish the dynamic uh, um, not within the clans, but within the people. And so, 
yeah and also it starts to sort of um show that bond between uh Wei Ying and uh Wen Ning it's starting to sort of like there is a connection there which is kind of fun because in the book I don't think Wen Ning was even with them no. at the lake but they did that connection already in yeah. the drama uh, to sort of build that up that there is a connection also them. as we said before you know when Ning is seen or looked upon as being some kind of retarded brother and mm. this Wei Ying identifies not as a weakness he uses it as a strength and he tries to yeah. bring Wen Ning out of himself and look at what his abilities like actually are because he's already seen them down at the at the um, waterfall where they were doing target practice and shooting that Wen Ning is actually an incredible marksman yeah so he just brings that to the fore he's one of those really great people that sort of says hey Dex you're really amazing at drawing you know you're good at being yes you're really good at being QA director but you're even better at drawing and so he identifies that um, in Wen Ning and yeah. he says okay let's use this to your strength and you know don't listen to everybody else I'll support you kind of thing but the same here he kind of way uh, Ying is actually in a way saving Wen Ning's life yeah. at Billing Lake also and that's we something that we're going to see sort of back and forward between them but what do we see when we're at Billing Lake? Because there's this massive whirlpool. All the boys and girls are on the lake together from the various clans. They're trying to understand and investigate this these series of sea ghosts. And these sea ghosts have all joined together to become this kind of aqua demon it's described as. And yeah. it's... It, is basically a soul eater, a giant soul eater. And there's this huge whirlpool in the center, which the beautiful Lanza Chen puts a talisman on at the end and seals. But uh, one of the cultivators is trying to prove himself and he throws his, his sword into the lake, hoping to pull the sword back out again with his cultivation magic. Actually, it doesn't come back out. So Wen Ning goes in to save this guy because he's rapidly falling down this whirlpool. And um, it's he saves this dude's life. Everybody like jumps up into the air and is elevated into a position of safety above the lake, except for Wen Ning. And Wen Ning, yeah. when Wei Wushan, sorry, Wei, Wei Ying goes down to the boat to go and sort of save him, we see for the first time that there is something wrong with Wendy. Yep. And what is that thing, Dex? He is sort of... Um, yeah, I'm not sure how to explain him, but he's sort of affected... Because this uh, demon, they can't really explain what created it. But the resentful energy that it has, in a way, when Ning is reacting to it. Yeah, is that controlled so, by it? Sort of, yeah, what, what we sort of like 
suspect i'm not sure if we uh, is it in this episode or a little bit later where we actually find out or sort of hints at they have used the yin shard in some way so he is affected by it but he's not turning into a zombie at this point or anything he's just some way affected to that kind of energy yeah agreed we get to the end of the Billing Lake uh, experience, which is obviously quite um, uh, shocking for everybody. Not least uh, Wei Ying because yeah. of what he's seen. And he's got to keep that to himself. Um, the, mm. the Something that he knows that could potentially... Because he's seen it in some of the other puppets. He's seen these this glazing over of the eyes. Um, and so yeah. he sort of thinks, oh, shit... Oh no! So this whole shock and awe of the entire experience, they go back to the Gosu Clan HQ cloud recesses. Uh, they decide to let off some steam. So we've got yeah, there's a lot of lot of like um, classes in general where luncheon or not luncheon, sorry, luncheon is the perfect model student, yeah. uh, but Wei Ying is. We get to see a little bit more from him in school and he keeps um, being slightly argumental, uh, breaking the rules, getting a, a lot of like, uh, he has to write the the land clans, all the rules um, as punishment for being like, yeah, interrupting class and that kind of things. And uh, during this time, Lanchen is uh, surveying him i would say there's a lot of like uh, fun interactions between them when they're having their in the library scene exactly the library scene it is really good For because example. um wei ying does this lovely little portrait of lan Chan and um he mm. he sort of gives it to him and lan Chan just says boring or he just said it's <laughs> Effectively, it's shit. Go away. Just get on with the reason why you're here, which is being punished, and you've got to write out these rules. And then, you know, <laughs> what Wei Ying does instead is shows him another picture, <laughs> and that's from like yep. a porno, uh, sort of like historic porno, and it actually is, yeah, pornography picture. That's that's the one time they actually could do something that is sort of like more real than the rest of it because it's art. But here's it's traditional art. Here's the thing, right? Is that Lanchan is so freaking angry. He rips everything up and he gets really yep. uptight and. He's furious, absolutely furious at Wei Ying. Because, you know, we have this, this kind of saying, don't we, in, uh, in English about methinks the lady doth protest too much, which is when it's a Shakespearean quote where uh, you kind of say, no, no, I'm not, I'm not gay, I'm not gay. No, I'm not gay, I'm not gay. Please stop saying that I'm gay, da, 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 da. But when you're faced yeah. with this thing, and these feelings that you have for this boy, then it just makes you even angrier. Um, we've all read the stories yeah. a million times before, haven't we? Where, you know, violence has ensued because a person who does not want to be marginalized as 
homosexual or whatever, you know, would rather fight back than than be be sort of marginalised in that way. And that's the same thing that happens to Lan Jan. I mean, he's completely out of control of his feelings. It's fairly obvious at this yeah. point that he does have feelings for Wei Ying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, big time. So when the boys decide that Sir Jiang Cheng and um, uh, Nia Huaisang, when they get together with Wei Ying and decide to have like some nuts because they always have nuts in these dramas and alcohol yeah peanut peanuts and some more of that uh legendary alcohol yeah that legendary emperor smile and it's near and uh and jiang cheng who they get completely shit-faced whereas wei ying can really yep. hold his drink yeah i mean he barely looks like he's affected at any point when he's drinking. When he's drinking, yeah. Um, and so he, they've got, and it's really important in this scene, because somebody has put like Dao Pao up on the, the windows of um, the room um, so that going into the, the chamber or the room, you can't actually see that there's any lights on. So it means that Wei Ying is breaking the rules totally, and he knows he's breaking the rules. <laughs> he puts the Dao Pao yeah. there purposefully so that he can't get found out. But he knows damn fine that because he's seen him before, he knows that Lan Shan walks around of an evening and does his rounds. So if every single light is on around cloud recesses, except for that one in that room, that's the room that you want to go into and find out what's going on. Sure enough. Yep. Lan Chan does it. That's what he do. <laughs> and the fun part is is the scene that he gets to see when he walks in. I think it's all the other all the three guys on a bed at, at fooling around like I mean they're just playing in wrestling Play but it looks yeah. pretty hilarious. <laughs> it could easily be construed as something, couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean I think Lanshan is tossing them out, or no, they're running out. Actually, I think, right? So it's they run out. The they've got mouths full of puke. They're about to puke, yeah, aren't they? Right. So they start running. So there's, and then it's only Lanshan and uh, Wei Ying who is left in the room, and Wei Ying managed to get Lanshan to actually take one sip of the alcohol, even though he absolutely would never do that. Yeah, but how does he do it, Dex? Remember how he did it? He cast a spell on him. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so he cast a spell on him and Lanshan actually swipes one tiny, tiny shot glass of alcohol and all is sort of like silent and still for a few seconds. And then Lanshan just blacks out completely just gets unconscious going back to this like arrogance and behavior that um that weighing is like noted for in the whole always doing all sort of gingerbread men style talismans and he flicks them around the room so they crawl up Lanchan's face when they're in class everyone's supposed to concentrate no one's allowed to speak 
But Wei Ying is really boring, probably because Wei Ying's a genius and a really excellent cultivator. He comes from a pedigree of cultivators who are insanely good. And so this is really boring for hmm. him. And so he writes these talismans out all the time to try and entertain Lan Zhan and to try and entertain the rest of the room. He's the class clown. Yeah. Um, and so when he casts this little spell, it's only in response to what Lan Zhan has been doing to Wei Ying. And so Lan Zhan has been casting spells on Wei Ying where he can't speak, yeah. where he can't move. And so Wei Ying has done this one on him where he can't move and where he's under the spell and the power of Wei Ying. So Wei Ying says, hey, Lan Zhan, come and have a drink with me. And Lan Zhan doesn't respond and he's like, come sit down here beside me, drink with me. And then of course he comes. And when we watch that scene, it makes us think about the power that Wei Ying has over people, mm. especially over the ghost general in the earlier episodes. Yeah. Because all he really needs to do is take out his flute and play this flute song and the ghost general is completely in his power. Yep. Um, everything that Wei Ying can do is usually centered around magic. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, during the whole drama, he's always talking about how he doesn't really need his sword, uh, even though he's carrying his sword mm. in the beginning. Um, but yeah, uh, then we have uh, then we have Lanshan passed out in the room, and this is of course, I mean, the whole getting drunk in the um, cloud recess is is being sort of brought up to the clan leaders, and they are punished for getting drunk, right? They're getting the board. Yeah. Yeah. So both yeah. uh, Wei Ying yeah. and Lan Chan, because he <laughs> feels he'd done something bad, uh, wants to take the blame or and they're getting beaten. I think that's pretty severe. Beaten by big ass yeah, wooden boards. So they get like big um, What are they called? Um... I don't remember what they're called. Well, they're like big paddles, aren't they? They're called, uh, are they called bastitos or something like that anyway? Um, okay. And yeah, they're, they're beaten repeatedly. Mm. And at first, like, Wei Ying is in absolute agony, but Lan Chan just takes it. He just yep. takes it. He doesn't even raise an eyebrow. He just takes the pain. And so when Wei Ying sees that, he thinks, shit, I'm going to have to not cry out in agony either. Mm. Whereas, whereas everybody is like in absolute agony. So when he is in sort of like that much pain, he goes off to see uh, Yan Li, I think, and she sort of says, are you okay, blah, 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 after the punishment has ended. Mm. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm in like a little bit of pain. And at some point he has a conversation with Lan Zichen. And Lan Zichen tells him that sometimes Lan Zhan goes to the cold spring when he's been punished because it's really good for his wounds. And so he thinks, okay, that's probably where Lan Zhan is now. So we can go and have a discussion about pain and how I got punished and why I got punished and blah, blah. And as he approaches the cold spring, we see Lan Zhan's back. Yes. And something tells us that Lan Zhan's not that innocent 
after all. Yeah, there is already a bunch of scars on his back. Uh, so he's probably been punished before. And yes, he is. Uh, well, he's not naked in the, the cold spring because he do have pants on. Doesn't seem to come off at all in this. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he is. We see the naked uh, guard back of Lanchan in the cold uh, spring. And of course, maybe Shan jumps in. He's, he's like starting to undress and uh, calls out and he's very excited and about to jump into the cold spring. But Lanchan is less thrilled, I would say. Yeah, he's horrified, isn't he? He's like, Lanchan, come on, I'll take off my clothes and jump in with you. Da, 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 da. And he starts taking off his clothes. And Lanchan literally grabs his Dao Pao, wraps himself up, and is yep. like, What are you doing in here? As if to say, as if to say, in a way, this is my private place. Mm. And, you know, Lanchan knows instinctively what is going on between these two from the yeah. get go. He knows it and he keeps pushing the pair of them together. Yeah. Because he keeps saying things to his brother like, hey, Lanjan, you know, you should probably be kinder. They've come a long way to come to this event or you should try and make friends with the other boys and girls and so on and so forth. And so uh, Wei Ying, he just dives into the, the cold springs. They have a, well, he tries to have a bit of a play with him. Wei Ying feels like something's not quite right. Yep. And so something is happening underneath the water. Yeah. And the pair of them get sucked down into this cave. Yes. And this cave is magical because what we see in the cave is this like ice yeah. cave, but with water in it. And rabbits everywhere. Oh yeah, <laughs> rabbits also. Not in the water though. They're on a land piece. But and they've all got little headbands like Lanchan's well, headband. Actually, not. I think. Or are the bunnies there already from the beginning? I know there is this. Uh, what's the instrument called again? Oh God. Yeah, we should know this, shouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like a, it's a zither anyway, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. And uh, it's sort of like plays a tune as uh, Lanchan and Wei Ying is approaching and Lanchan is not affected by this wave that the tune makes but Wei Ying gets knocked down by it. Yeah, and, and this is called the chord assassination technique. Yes, and uh, for Wei Ying to actually be able to approach it Lanchan or <laughs> actually Wei Ying kind of grabs Lanchan's headband. I think he is the one uh, grabbing it, right? And something that we need to say here is that earlier Lanchan mentions that no one can touch the headband in the Gozu clan uh, besides, I think, parents and partners, like uh, if you have a wife, for example. Um, those are the people that get to touch someone's uh, headband. But here, suddenly, uh, Wei Ying is taking the headband and they're sort of like um, binding it, themselves together. Yeah, binding themselves together through the wrist. And that way, uh, Wei Ying is protected from the, the cord. 
But also this, this headband is really symbolic because mm. this is really about the sexuality. Yes. And about the fact that, that Lanjan allows is a weighing to actually yeah. touch it. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much going on, isn't there? <laughs> Definitely. <sighs> oh, it's so good. Um, so in the cave, after the court assassination technique is sort of completed its cycle, because it doesn't recognize anybody apart from the Gosu clan as being a safe and um, uh, and that includes like the bunnies. And then we see the spirit of the zither and the court assassination technique as the original grandmaster of the Gosu clan. And she, who is referred to all the way through as he <laughs> and master, um, I suppose that that's kind of just the way it is. But she explains the history of the Jin Iron Shard and uh, like everything that happens from this scene onwards then is all an understanding for us as the viewer. We really do get to understand why everybody wants it, why no one can have it and why it is so significant, I would say. Yeah, and she has protected uh, the Gosu clan's uh, yin iron shard in this cave uh, up until now and she's pretty much handing it over to Lanchan but Wei Ying says that hey <laughs> uh, this all uh, concerns my um, grandmaster also so I'm totally in on helping out yeah she's like I never knew that there was a disciple and here I am meeting this disciple yeah so they are pretty much what well, Lanshan mostly thinks is him and Wei Ying thinks it's both of them. They're supposed to sort of make sure that the uh, yin iron doesn't end up in the wrong hands. But the yin iron, uh, they bring it out of the cave. So that's episode 11. Yes. And so the fate of this partnership between Wei Ying and Lanshan is sealed. Yes. There's no going back from this moment. And even though there are 50 episodes of The Untamed, it is really only at this point that we feel almost settled into the lifetime relationship that these two will experience from this point to, the, to episode 50. Yeah. I feel like I've really bought in by episode 11 on this weird love affair that these two have got sort of going on so when episode 12 starts Wei Ying he's he's on the wrong side of the tracks he's been a very naughty boy I first I think they're they're just, just discussing the Jin Iron right with um, the, the sort of leaders of the Gozu clan but then we're back suddenly to uh, school wise stuff and during one of the exercises, they're making lanterns and Wei Ying ends up um, having a problem again with <laughs> his sister's, um, what do you call it when it's... Fiance or... Fiance, or... yeah. Um, yeah. The person that she's supposed to marry that he calls the peacock. And they end up, uh, he's not very happy, so he ends up fighting him suddenly. 
It's a big fight as well. It's a big fight. And Wade is really, really, really upset to the point yeah. where he's literally, his eyes in that scene are, he's crying. Yeah. And he thinks that uh, the peacock pretty much insulted his sister and he wouldn't stand for that. But but it's funny that, that Jiang Cheng is just stands back. Yeah. And but just he, he's pretty good at, at not taking action, I feel. He's always just tagging along <laughs> when Wei Ying. Yeah, but he's speak. also pretty good at pointing out Wei Ying's uh failings. Yeah. Which I think is a bit of a is a bit mean, really. Yeah. So Wei Wei Ying suddenly feels incredibly alone. Because in, as part of this big discussion about the Jin Iron Shard and the puppet experience that is happening across this region in, uh, in this fictional world and timeline, some of the clan leaders occasionally will have to meet each other, that's for sure. But it's the Lotus Pier clan leader, who is Zhang Cheng, Yan Li and Wei Ying's father comes to the cloud recesses and they have a discussion about this puppet situation but actually after the fight with the peacock with Jin Wei Ying is is effectively expelled but I think it's not really an expulsion is it it's just no, a, it's more like we, I think it's a good idea if you maybe not stick around, but it's almost yeah. over anyway, so it's sort of like, you should probably go back home. <laughs> it feels weird that they've been all studying together at this conference for six months. Yeah. And so little has happened to everybody else apart from there is an establishment that everybody gets along and everyone's friends apart from waking, uh and Yanli and Jin, um, and that's about it really. There isn't any beef. Even the Wens are completely accepted by the other clans. Yeah. In fact, I think it's Lady Wen, uh, Wen Qing, she really has got the hops for Wei Ying, but it's, it's, it's Jiang Cheng that's really got the hops for her. Yeah, definitely. Actually, I read somewhere that um, Lady, uh, when and Wei Ying actually had like a thing in the original sort of um, draft of the drama. The script. Yeah, yeah, I but they that removed too. that just because yeah, everyone didn't like it. And also, everyone would go crazy, yeah. crazy if that happened. That just wouldn't happen. No. So he gets expelled and. Yeah, the yeah that's the, the conference wraps up anyway, so... Yeah, yeah. But then, secretly, Lan Chan, and as is ordered by the, the clan leader at Gosu, and his brother Lan Zichen, he's told to go off out into the world and go and find the other shards. And um, Wei Ying overhears this, mm -hmm. but... He is, when uh, the rest of his family is about to return home, he's like, sorry, I'm going on a night hunt. And then he runs off after lunch, pretty much. Yep. He's cheeky. 
Yep. Um, and so together, in inverted commas, they go off to find more shards in yes. the world. Um, and that episode, for me anyway, is not the most exciting episode because it's almost as though at that point where they have the discussion about the Jinnian shards with the original Grandmaster Lan of the Gosu clan, anything after that point really has to be about the jump off point of them going out into the world and just get, getting the, the, the shards. Yeah. But they take an entire episode really for waiting to sniff that something is like a foot with Lanjan and that Lanjan has decided he's going to go out into the world um, by the request of his brother and his father mm. and then that they go off and kind of do it anyway yeah um, there, there is an interesting part in episode 14 where we start to see some vulnerabilities of the other characters particularly Nia he's not like uh, he comes from a very rich clan and so because he comes from a fairly rich clan he is incredibly entitled a little bit like Jin's clan as well um, and that kind of makes him makes Nia a little bit cowardly yeah I think also because he he's very he's not the most manly man <laughs> But his brother is, or his half-brother is. And I think that's made him a little bit timid in some ways, but he's not very timid in other ways. But yeah, I think that's... And Weiging really does try with him, doesn't he? Yeah. He tries really hard with him, like he did with Wen Ning, to try and get him to catch fish, to get him to hunt, to get him to just kind of do more. But I think I think Nia explains it in that episode where he sort of says... I come from a rich clan. I don't ever have to hunt again if I don't want to. Yeah. And and I think Wei Ying says that's not a reason to not do it. Yeah, and I I think when they're actually catching fish, I think they mentioned that his clan doesn't have a lot of like water areas. So he's not really familiar it, either with yeah, that kind of stuff. Well, where they located? Is like brought up at Lotus Pier, where it's like yeah, where there's loads, of course. Yeah, but but where Nia's clan is located, um, the Huasang, um, the Ni Huasang, and the rest of his clan, his half brother, etc., mm. over in their clan, there he explains that they are at the foot of Qingye. And Qingye is where the Wens are. Mm. So actually, what this proves in this episode is though he might not be very good with his hands in terms of being a marksman or a fighter, he's a thinker and he's a strategist. And he yeah. knows damn fine that the Wen clan are always setting off owls and scouts and surveillance uh, spirits. He's very tuned in to the behaviours of the Wen clan. So he either avoids them or he is able to pass on that intelligence to Wei Ying. Hmm. So that brings us to the end of 
these first 14 episodes of the 50 episodes that is the most amazing <laughs> sea drama of all time the untamed and book <laughs> um as a first kind of section of this story how well do you think the story is told i think it's i mean the first time i saw it it took me a while to sort of wrap my head around mostly because of all the clans and all the names and especially since every character have their name and then they have this like what do they call it again like uh courtesy names, courtesy names uh, yeah yeah and suddenly they call the name and other times they call the courtesy name and just being able to sort of get into the program with, with all that that was a big thing for me the first time i saw it um but i mean you get into it pretty fast after that so I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. I've seen it so many times, of course, and so have you. So <laughs> yeah. we kind of know it like the back of our hands now. Um, now, give us a, a fab fact about The Untamed. Because we're not going to do them all, because we've got, uh, we'll revisit The Untamed a few times during Kissing Without Lips. Yeah. But give us a fab fact. Um, well, one of them is since we have been talking a lot about Cloud Reese's today. Um, is, I mean, the Ghost Clan have this emblem of like clouds, and the actual uh, meaning of the Chinese uh, name for cloud races means somewhere unknown deep in the clouds, which is very telling for how they name everything in this uh, this drama. It's very interesting and it's very sort of like. To the point, if you know Chinese, which most of us doesn't do. <laughs> um, I really, you know, love the way that that the writers pay really close attention and detail to each one of the yeah uh, everything from the manor houses to the interior styling to the general look and feel of each one of the characters their impeccable hairlines yeah (laughs) it all feels very faithful to the book to a greater extent because i think that the way that they are portrayed obviously they have to hold back quite a lot of sexual tension yeah but it comes out in other ways i think and that's what I really like. You know, the cloud recess's Chinese name literally means somewhere unknown deep in the clouds. Mm. Probably says more about Lanjan than it does about the clan. Yeah, definitely. I also think uh, on this topic, every single like setup and um, camera angle, I love everything that it's so well thought out. Like different when things are happening if you see for example lunch and in the background in one scene he usually have his eyes instantly on uh, weighing even though that doesn't really matter to the scene but you see like there there's always that sort of like connection spark um everything is like spot on and i love that and i especially love all the sort of like epic uh, angles for the camera and how how Lanshan always have a excellent entrance every time he comes in. I don't know if you thought about that. 
It's like the most amazing things. He really does, doesn't he? Yeah. And that from the casting all the way to the direction of mm. uh, Steve Cheng and Chan Kalam, I kind of feel like every bit of it is perfect. Yeah. I, I feel a little bit weird as well that the director could only work with the information that he was allowed to work with. Yeah, There's so much more of a story that can be told, but what's perfect about The Untamed is um, it gives you good opportunities and insights to explore relationships outside of Lan Zhan and Wei Ying's. Yeah, I can't wait for the next Untamed episode. Me either! <laughs> it's gonna be nuts! Yeah. So, until then... What is the next on our schedule, actually? Okay, so for the next episode, I'm really excited to explore as an addition to Censored Love the Untamed Part 1, which is today, I'm, I'm really excited to announce that we will be exploring the undying bromance of Goblin. <laughs> uh, I've seen that one also so many times. <laughs> Me too! So, gird your loins and prepare yourselves for the world's greatest bromance. Yep. And that's coming next time on Kissing Without Lips. Thank you very much to my co-pilot, Dex. Thank you. And I look forward to doing this again very, very soon. Yes. Bye. See you next time. Listen to Kissing Without Lips wherever good pods are casted. <laughs>